Welcome to the Get Down with Herbie Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Herbie Brown. Voice America Nation, how's it going? You're on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Unfortunately, Hurley is not with us today. He is out making Merritt Island football great again. Uh, they're, they've started school. They had an early, I guess, a late afternoon practice. So I'm going to have to take more shots than normal. But being my co-host, gonna, my co-host for today is a former employee of two professional football teams in Houston, my man Will Hudgens. So he's going to give us a unique situation, uh, a unique uh, analysis of uh, how it is to work for a football organization. What's up, Will? Good afternoon. How are we doing? I can't complain, man. It's about 90, 92, 93 degrees here in South Florida. What's it like in Houston? I'm in Houston, and it's saying 99, so the heat index is probably 104, 105. High school football is probably having two a days. College is cranking up in what, less than a week, and I believe the Texans have won two more preseason games, so it's football ready. Well, the good thing about the, the 99 degrees is you don't have the humidity of South Florida. So it's, uh, you probably got about 80, 80% humidity. So that's not that bad. We probably have to agree to disagree because not only <laughs> do you have the humidity, when the sun goes down, you have the mosquitoes. And they're in full effect. Somebody has pissed them off this year. Wow. I'm glad I'm not there right now. Hey, so, Will, you worked um, for... The Oilers and the Texans in Correct. some capacity. So media you were relations. media relations. Now, for those of us who've uh, never worked for a professional organization, when you say media relations, are you the guy that gets all the players to do the interviews and you round them up and all that? That's the full-time guy. I was a game day staffer. I worked directly under that guy. So he says, okay, we're going to get quotes from players X, Y, and Z, and we dictate those quotes, and then after that, we type frantically and distribute those quotes to the media, and the media includes those quotes in, in their articles or write-ups or, you know, the daily papers or whatever uh, publication they're representing. So did you have to go to the press conference that the coaches held uh, after the game? Oh, yeah, yeah. You have a pregame press conference and a postgame press conference. You do all the stats during the game. Uh, during the draft, I was responsible for calling the players. Like when the, the team actually makes a pick, I would actually call the individual before he, before it's announced you know, on the television and say, hey, congratulations, so-and-so. You've just been selected by Houston, Texas. I need to get some information. And they have a whole stuff sheet. You know, it goes back to any youth football they've played. Do their parents play any kind of sports in high school or college? You know, it's pretty detailed. So, you know, when you work in media relations, you have a, a lot of different uh, jobs that you do. Did you guys? Did you guys make the playoffs in any of the seasons that you were with the uh, the teams? No. When I, the one season I worked with the Oilers was the last season in town, so that was an interesting season. It was kind of like okay, they're moving, so it was like the last professional game at the Astrodome, and it was kind of bittersweet. You know, I, I grew up in Houston, being an Oilers fan, so. You never imagine a day when your team leaves town. You know, it's 
it was unheard of. And I, you know, it was, it was kind of a weird situation because at the time I, I worked, you know, like I said, I was a game day staff, so I worked on Sundays and where we had a game. And then my full-time job, I worked for a company and my boss at the company, he lived next door to Jeff Fisher. So it was really kind of weird how those things combined. But, well, I've, I've been in two cities in which the team has left. Um, after I got through playing with the Rams, I was in Los Angeles when they left, and I actually got to Houston when the, when the Oilers were leaving. And that was a unique situation in Houston because um, it was such a vibrant time when I first got there, and then, poof, it was gone. <laughs> and then when the, Texans came, when the Texans came back, uh, the town got a lot better. So fast forward, so I was at a unique situation to be able to see the orders leave and then keep a part of the Texans coming. And, of course, the infamous 19-10 to 10 game when we beat the Cowboys at home on Sunday night on national TV for the first franchise victory. I, I want to say it was a, maybe a Billy Miller touchdown catch from David Carr or something like that. So there yeah. was a lot of excitement in the town, you know, to have professional football come back after that long absence you know you had to you were stuck on sunday having to watch the dallas cowboys if you're in houston now you um you still uh watch football i'm assuming so have you been paying attention to the uh preseason games uh not so much preseason is my least favorite time of the year and i'm not really pulling for any of the middle of the road guys to make the team you know i'm kind of seeing I, i have tuned in to see what form Deshaun Watson is going to be in. And then I, the, another interesting team is uh, the Washington Redskins with Alex Smith. I, I, I seem like, you know, that was a, a pretty amazing acquisition for the Redskins to acquire him. And I'm interested to see what uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to do in Kansas City. So there's a lot of interesting, you know, quarterback, I won't say controversy, but if you look at the Jets and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, who's going to be the starter there? Who's going to be the starter in Cleveland? So there's a lot of matchups at the key positions to to watch and see how it's going to develop in the preseason. Well, actually, last night was an interesting um, matchup. You had the Colts uh, playing and uh, against the Ravens, and Joe Flacco came out on fire. I mean, he has taken notice of what they've been trying to tell him. So I guess he's saying, if I'm not going to be here next year, I'm going to audition for wherever my next job is. And the thing I got from Andrew Luck is he needs some help on the offensive line. Um, he got hit a lot. But the good thing about it is he didn't uh, didn't get hurt. So if you're the Indianapolis Colts, it, it was a 50-50 proposition. It's like our O-line needs work. But our quarterback is back. And then you were talking about the Redskins. Uh, they signed Adrian Peterson. Uh, they lost Darius guys, so they signed Adrian Peterson. I'm going to be interested to see how he looks this first week or two, uh, regular season-wise. Because I think, you know, preseason, a guy like that doesn't really need that many touches. And with guys going down, you're probably a little nervous about uh, – you know, playing him too much, but you got to get him in shape. So, as far as Deshaun Watson, if he's healthy, the Texans are going to be tough to beat. I mean, well, it's interesting you say that the Texans are in a, an awkward division. If you look at Tennessee, 
they've got a good team, a good quarterback. You look at Jacksonville, they're coming off an amazing season. Or, you know, are they one-season wonder? They've got a seasoned defense that's ready to roll. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's kind of ignited the league with all his comments, and maybe he lit a fire under Flacco. You know, maybe that comment he made about Flacco kind of lit a fire under him. So, you know, the AFC South is going to be interesting. Who's going to take the lead in that division? Now, as far as Adrian Peterson for the Redskins, you know, he's coming from New Orleans. That was just a bad fit. It didn't work out. Last I checked, I want to say he's maybe 37 yards away from being top 10 all-time as uh, in rushing in NFL. Yeah. So maybe the Redskins is going to be a better fit for him. Does he have anything in the tank? I believe he does. I've seen Adrian Peterson a couple times, and he's an amazing specimen. Look, I mean, the guy's chiseled. So if, if he's been working out in the offseason and he's healthy, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. So, like I said, maybe it's a better fit than New Orleans. It just didn't, you know, he wasn't a good fit for that system, or I don't know. Well, right, you know, right, now, there, but. right now, the starting back for the Redskins is going to be Rob Kelly, kid out of Tulane. And I'm not saying Rob Kelly is not a, uh, a good ball player, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Adrian Peterson because I you know he's obviously gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and right now there's not that many first ballot Hall of Fame running backs. I think maybe Frank Gore may slide in there as a first Bamer, first first ballot Hall of Famer as well. But if Adrian Peterson has anything left in the tank, Alex Smith is gonna be a lucky guy because that's gonna take a lot of pressure off of him. And you know I I played with Jay Gruden. In Arena League, um, Jay is a really smart guy. He's running the West Coast offense, um, which I think fits Alex Smith because there's a lot of checkdowns in that offense. And one of the checkdowns is to the running back in the flat. So if nobody's open and you toss it out to Adrian Peterson in the flat, good things can happen. So I think it's a better fit as well, but we'll see. I'm really, I'm really rooting for Jay because Jay was a good guy. <laughs> we had some good times, um, and he is, um, he's a good coach. I just think that he's a little, a little uh, tied up with the ownership because Daniel Snyder has been all over the place. But we'll see because they're in a tough division because the Eagles, well, the Eagles are the Eagles, and you're right about Jacksonville as far as Houston Texans go because a lot of people think Jacksonville, if they get any consistent quarterback play, can go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey, I kind of like what he's doing because he can back up the talk. And uh, it's, it's kind of nice to see, you know, some trash talk because they've made it so corporate now. Me as a former player, it's almost boring, you know. Right. Now, you know, have you... Have you thought about trying to go back and working into re- media relations with the Texans? Uh, not really. Or, you know, I'm in the oil and gas industry now, and I'm doing pretty well, so I'm, I'm kind of content where I'm at. But I, I do like what we're doing now, you know, doing some freelance journalism and things of that nature. You know, and back to what we're talking about as far as NFL, another team that comes to mind when I think about Jacksonville, I always think about the Rams. Are they going to be the same team they were last year? Well, I think they're going to be a little better. Uh, well, let me put one caveat into that. If they can get Aaron Donald in the camp. <laughs> I mean, right. if 
if they don't get that resolved, uh, it's going to be a problem because, you know, and I, I know what the problem is. The ownership is saying, why are we going to give $20 million to a defensive lineman? And I know it's not convincing, though, because usually when you give that type of money, it's usually to the quarterback. And I'm not saying Jared Goff isn't a good quarterback, but he ain't as good as his position as Aaron Donald is at his position. And, you know, you signed Indomitian Sue, but Indomitian Sue is not the dynamic player that uh, Aaron Donald is. So I right. think what they need, they just need to suck it up. I know it's tough. And then here's the thing, you know, people are saying Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack are giving up a lot of money. But if you sign for $20 million a year, two or three million that you give back is peanuts. I mean, it's not peanuts for the common Joe, but for what they're trying to do, it is peanuts. Because if he gets $20 million a year, he's probably going to have about $80 million guaranteed. So, Speaking of Khalil Mack, not to talk over you, but what are the Raiders going to do this season? You know, is Derek Carr, is he back 100% healthy? You know, what does their defense look like? What are you expecting from the Oakland Raiders? Well, with the Raiders, it's a big transition year because you got a new coach coming in with a new philosophy and a high price tag. And um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be an adjustment period. But the good thing for him is he's got 10 years. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to make it all 10 years, but um, he's got time. Listen, we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to expand on the Raiders. We're going to go through the AFC and talk uh, division by division and, uh, you know, get get Will's opinion and then maybe get some more insight on what it's like to work behind the scenes in a professional uh, football franchise. So we'll take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thunder chickens beware. We're coming for you. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about the Spring Gobbler Smackdown. And our panel of pros are out for beards. Joining us is David Blanton of Bill Jordan's Realtree Outdoors and Monster Bucks, outdoor writer M.D. Johnson, and Pete Muller from the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Voice America Nation, we're back here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm your host today, Kelvin Harris, and co-hosting with me is Will Hudgens, former employee of the Houston former employee of the Houston Oilers and the Houston Texans. So, Will, now on game day, now for those of you people who don't know, uh, NFL game time is 1 o'clock, but that's Eastern time. So, Will, your games always started at 12. Now, what time would you get to, what time would you get to the stadium? You would get to the stadium at 7. And when you get there at 7, you're preparing the media kits, the game day quotes, the stat cards for the television announcers, uh, all your books for your reporters, getting everybody where they need to be. And depending on the team that you're playing, it's going to depend on the uh, visitor uh, media. You know, you play the New York Giants or any New York team or a team from the West Coast, you're going to have a lot of media. You play a smaller market team, say like a Kansas City or a Cleveland, you're going to have you know moderate media coverage from that visiting team depending on you know, their record or what they have going on. So it's, it's a lot of pregame preparation. So do they make breakfast for you guys or what? They, they provide breakfast. Uh, I would say the players usually arrive maybe 9.30, 9 That's usually the first bus, yeah. Correct. And then, you, you know, you've got, like I said, depending on who you play, sometimes, you know, if it's a – if your team is winning and, you, you know, you're in the playoff hunt, you're going to have celebrities that come to the game. You know, the visiting owner, he has to have accommodations and stats. The visiting team, they have video people that need to know where to go. And, you know, their uh, media relations people, you know, need to be situated. And, you know, there's all kind of different scenarios. I, I remember specifically one time a, a game, uh, the visiting team, the field goal kicker overslept actually caught a cab to the game and was lost and ended up, you know, in the media entrance trying to get to the player's locker room. There's, there's all kinds of scenarios and all kinds of things that go on, but you, on a noon kickoff, you usually arrive 6.30, 7 o'clock, and then, you know, the game's over about 3, 3.15-ish, and you leave probably 5 or 6, depending on what's going on. If I will say this. Make, I will say seven seven. I will say this because I've had it. The craft services... It's pretty damn tasty <laughs> after the game. <laughs> yeah. After the game, you're so exhausted. And, if, you know, if you have a back-to-back home game, you look to do it again next week. And like I said, I don't want to misrepresent. I was part of the game day staff, so I'm, I only worked on Sundays. You know, the, the full-time media relations people, it's seven days a week for them 24-7 during the season. So they, oh, they yeah. put in that 12-hour day pretty much every day. Yeah, and see, like, I, I can – tell you from first-hand experience uh my my little time in the league 
the media relations people that work, you know, full time, you know, they, they spend a lot of time coordinating interviews and basically being buffers between anybody who wants to contact the players and the players. Uh, when I was in Los Angeles back then, it was in the 90s. In the off season, the media relations people and the um, and the and the, and the actually the equipment our equipment manager. Back then, we used to play summer basketball. Like we would get paid to go play teams in communities. Um, right. And 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 you know that would be they would contact the media relations people to set stuff like that up, autograph sessions, all that. Now, nowadays they don't allow you to play basketball in the off season, and most of the autograph sessions. If it's a high-profile player, you know any type of um, sponsorship marketing is done through their own people. So that's one of the things that's off the table for them. But there's so much media now um, between social media, internet, and radio and television that that keeps those that that keeps those guys busy. And then you know well, now, yeah, go ahead. Well, I say everything's different. You know, the last season with the Oilers. They were living town, so it was already a bad taste in their mouth. You know, the media was, you know, at odds with them, and the uh, mayor, you know, kind of let them walk. They wanted a new stadium and luxury suites and everything, and you know, it was it was a bad deal for the team leaving. Then you fast forward to 2002. Everybody, you know, that's a buzz around. The NFL's back. You know, the media is hungry to find out any information on the team and everything. So it's like I worked at both ends of the spectrum because. Like I said, never in a million years would I think my beloved Houston Oilers would have left town, and sure enough, they did. You know, it was the same kind of like Art Modell thing. You know, here today, and then you're gone tomorrow. You know, you look up, and they're out of town. And, you know, that was, with the Texans, you really didn't have, it was the beginning of social media. It wasn't like it is now. You know, all these players, they have their own foundation, their their own media crew, depending on, you know, the caliber of the player. You know, they have their own team of people that, Know, work with the media as well, so every everything is constantly changing as far as you know dealing with the media and things of that nature. So, who's the biggest star you dealt with on game day? You mean actually playing or actually you know coming to visit to watch the game? Because I've yeah, yeah, like seen, a celebrity that came a celebrity that came to visit on to watch the game. Uh, there's been Serena Williams. Multiple members of Destiny's Child, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the, to me, a lot of those visiting owners or celebrities, and then I, you know, I've uh, done media relations with games with Marino and Jerry Rice and Steve Young, you know, guys of that caliber. You know, you interact with your Peyton Manning's and things like that. One thing you have to understand though, when you're doing media relations, you know, you, you that's the norm. You're interacting with you know celebrities and you know. Former Hall of Fame players and, and announcers and things like that. Have you ever, you ever had a bad situation? No, I, I can't really say that I had. You know, everybody. There, now, don't get me wrong. There are a few players that have egos and everything, but for the most part, a lot of people. You know, you're not like I said. You're not a fan, and you're not. Uh, you know, an outsider. You're kind of in the clique. You know, because you work for the organization. So uh, most people, you know, they're very trusting and very friendly and very courteous. You know, I, I was always uh, treated fairly, and people were, you know, very professional in, in my dealings. And uh, to be honest, in the years I worked, I never really had a bad experience. It'd be what would surprise me though. You would see a lot of people, some of the 
you know, coaches and things were like chain smokers. And here you are dealing with world-class athletes and you're a chain smoker. Well, I'll say this, like, because like I said, I played, you know, in the 90s. It, it, it surprised me on game day to see a guy who's drinking, you know, water and eating healthy to be behind the locker room smoking cigarettes like they chewing gum. I mean, right. I don't care that like I I played on numerous teams and it's like game day, everything changed. I remember when I was with the University of Miami, we didn't even know our coaches smoked. Like, you know, I first got there and I forget right. which game it was. Uh Coach Johnson's staff, they only had a couple guys that smoked, but Coach Erickson's staff, we went to FSU and we, we the first time the first year he was there so we go out for pregame, and they come back in, the whole coaching staff, their eyes are as big as donuts. And so we sit in the locker room, and I think a couple of us walk outside the locker room, and like they're in a pack with all nothing but cigarettes. I mean, they puffing them, blowing through them like they're candy. I was like, what the? But, you know, they got to relieve the stress. Now, moving on to back back to the AFC, we, we, we talked briefly about the Texas division, a little bit about, uh, the, the AFC West. Let's start back at the top, the AFC East. Obviously, it's the Patriots. Um, a lot of people are going to have the Patriots as the favorites. But right now, I got them third behind Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. But the one thing that they have that Jacksonville and Pittsburgh don't have is they got an easy, they got like a cupcake division. They got six easy games um, because the Jets are in a transition at quarterback the Bills are in a transition at quarterback and the Dolphins quarterback is transitioning after being hurt and none of those teams you know even though Buffalo went to the playoffs last year they got rid of the quarterback that took them to the playoffs so you got three teams that are I guess for a better word in transition so that that adds up to six victories for the Patriots. So that makes it that much easier for them to be the number one seed because they got six automatic victories. Everybody else has got to fight for each week because winning an NFL game is not easy. But I just don't see any of those other teams giving them a fight. Um, what are you for me right now? I've got the Patriots as the number one team in the AFC, and I feel like the only – team that can beat the Patriots are the Patriots. And it's going to be injuries and, uh, you know, their on-field play. If they, you know, continue the Patriots tradition of, you know, coaching guys up and doing what they need to do and playing for football, I don't see anybody beating them. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm hard to call on the Steelers. You know, the, the Steelers are the type of team, I never know what they're going to do until, like, week 9 or 10. You know, they could go 6-0, and they could go 3-3. Three and three. You know, they... they Always have a solid defense. Their offense is hot or cold, so I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of the road with Pittsburgh. Jacksonville, like I said, go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, Jacksonville, to me, the only thing that's really a question mark for them is Blake Bortles, and if Blake Bortles uh, can show any consistency, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat them because defensively. They're locked in. I mean, Darius, apparently he's gotten himself together. So that gives you two 
monsters on the inside. One guy who had a, a savage year last year, Clyde Campbell, University of Miami. The U is always about the U. Had to get that in there. And then they got <laughs> solid linebacker play. They got linebackers that can cover running backs, slot backs. And then they got Jalen uh, Ramsey and A.J. Boye at corner. So they got three levels. Each level, they got all pro players. So I think, you know, obviously the Patriots have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So um, that's the one thing that you can't discount. Now, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about, well, I want to actually get into the NFC. Because I think that's the most interesting division. There's a lot of uh, parity in the NFC. So when we come back on the Get Down with Hurley Brown, we're going to talk NFC football. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5pm Eastern Time and 2pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Voice America Nation, we're back on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm your host, Kelvin Harris, and my co-host today is former Houston Texans and Houston Oilers media relations employee, uh, Will Hudgens, you know, whenever I have to get these, have to be the, the host and have a co-host, I try and come up with a unique perspective. I mean, you always hear, you know, with me and Hurley, you got two former players, and then Hurley gives you the coach's perspective. But a lot of times, you listeners never hear the fans' perspective. So technically, Will is technically a fan. And uh, it's interesting as a former player to see how, the fans think of the game. 
And so, but you know, Will does have a unique situation because he was attached to a team, to a couple of teams actually. So he has an even more unique perspective because he's seeing behind the scenes of how the whole thing is produced. And you know, that is a unique situation. Now, before we went to commercial break, we were talking about the AFC. I want to talk about the NFC now, Will. And, you know, the NFC is a little bit more of a muddied uh, situation. The Eagles won the Super Bowl, and for the most part, they've got all of the key players coming back. They lost a couple of defensive tackles, but then they added Halati Halati Noda and Michael Bennett to replace those two guys. So they've actually gotten stronger. Um, Carson Wentz is back. Nick Foles got hurt the other night, but it's not serious. So they look to be right now my favorite team, but there's a group of challengers there. You've got the Minnesota Vikings. You've got the New Orleans Saints. You've got the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, some people like the Carolina Panthers. The Los Angeles Rams got better. So, you know, looking at the top three, four, NFC, I got to go Eagles, Rams, Vikings. My sleeper nah. team is the Atlanta Falcons. They changed well, offensive coordinators yeah. last season so that juggernaut from two years ago was kind of a down season. I figured for them to bounce back and be in the top two or three teams in the NFC. I don't count them as a sleeper because, um, you know, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl last year, but it was because the NFC was competitive as hell. And it's not like they slipped a lot. They just, it, I honestly believe that the NFC got better than when they made it to the Super Bowl. And now this year you've got, you know, Minnesota went out and got Kirk Cousins. And he fits the scheme that they run. And, you know, they've got Dalvin Cook back. So they're better offensively. And they're steady defensively. They got all their main players back on defense. Um, New Orleans is one fluke play away from being in the NFC championship game. They have all their key players back. Um, now, the one thing that I think is going to hinder them is that Mark Ingram is going to be gone for three or four games the first beginning of the year. thing about it is that means Alvin Kamara has to touch the ball more, which actually might be a good thing. And then I they got Drew. Yeah, I think so too. Um, the Rams, though. Are the one that has caught everybody's eye. They went out, they signed Brandon Cooks to a long-term deal. Um, they've got a nice receiving core. And then they got Todd Gurley, who might be the best player in the league offensively. But the problem is that they've got the best defensive player most likely in the league, and they don't want to pay him. So now instead of you going into the season hitting on all cylinders – you, you, your car is kind of sputtering because the guy that makes the that stirs the drink on defense is not happy for one and two he's not in camp so you know I think that's going to cost them and this is a year that you don't want to be the wild card or you don't want to be uh, the, the the fourth seed you you want to be one of those first two teams that gets a bye. Because it's going to be a knockdown, drag out fight, I think, in the NFC. I think you're correct. Just, There's a lot of teams in the NFC. A lot of teams have nice rosters, 
know, like I said, once again, it's going to be all about play on the field and injuries, injuries, injuries. Now, have you, uh, you, you, you weren't a Cowboys fan. Uh, I'm a closet Cowboys fan. I grew up with relatives that were diehard Cowboys fans. And then, like I spoke about earlier, when the orders left and you didn't have professional football in Houston, you kind of had to watch the Cowboys. And that was at a time where the Cowboys were playing some good football and they had uh, some interesting players on their team. So you kind of had to be a Cowboys fan. And I think it's in your blood when you are from Texas. I mean, most people feel like you have to choose between being a Houston fan and Dallas fan. I actually do like the Cowboys and I will say this season I'm not really sold on the Cowboys. I'm going to have to kind of feel them out, but I, I don't like the roster the way it sits right now and I don't like the moves they've made in the offseason. So I, I was kind of like a wait and see. And, you know, the whole play with Dak Prescott, I, I need more consistency before I'm 100% sold on it. Well, the first thing is, you notice when I said that the NFC was deep, I did not mention the Giants, the Redskins, nor the Cowboys because I don't think either one of those teams is going to be a, a factor in the playoff race. Um, I, I I was a, a big Cowboy fan for many years because of Jimmy Johnson. He was the guy that recruited me to Miami, and he went to Dallas and did some good things. And then all of a sudden it was over, and Jerry Jones, uh, you know, put his stamp on the, on the organization and it hasn't been the same since. And I'm one of those people that believe the karma is biting Jerry in the butt right now because until he puts Jimmy in that hall, that ring of honor, I don't think they're going to have success. Now, from a, a standpoint of them on the field, the offensive line they had two, three years ago is not that offensive line right now. Um, that offensive line they had Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year and um, DeMarco Murray's last year in Dallas, that, that offensive line is gone. Now, Tyron Smith, um, Martin, uh, the, the, the guard, those guys are still as good as they were. Problem is, the chemistry's different, and, you know, they've let some key guys get away. Injuries have, have come into play. But I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to be in this case, the straw that stirs the drink for Dallas because they don't really have a number one receiver at this point. I think it's going to be the uh, young man from the UM, Alan Hearns. He's the guy that signed a big contract. But, you know, Dak is still trying to figure out who is going to be his guy. I mean, he lost Jason Witten and Des Bryant in the same year. So I think for that reason, Dallas is going to struggle at the beginning of the year until Dak can figure out who his main man is. And Correct. It ain't gonna I agree be, with that hundred percent. It ain't gonna be Ezekiel because check down routes just don't work uh, all the time. Now, now the Giants have a bigger problem. Um, Eli is declining. Odell's not happy, and Saquon is a rookie. I think Saquon is going to be a dynamic player and he's going to help the team, but I just don't think, as a organization, they are aligned. That they're all on the same page. And I think they're going to have like an 8-8, eight and 7-9 eight, season. And I think really, to be honest with you, I think the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Giants are all going to be between 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Maybe one of them squeaks out 9-7, and seven, and none of them make the playoffs. But if you look at, you know, Minnesota, a lot of people are saying Green Bay could be 
you know, I think Jimmy Graham's going to have an all-pro year, 14, 15 touchdowns, but they don't have much else. And um, Devontae Adams has to step up. Randall Cobb has to keep it up. But I just don't think they have enough. Uh, Detroit. I think first Aaron Rodgers, you know, he, Aaron Rodgers is the Wiley veteran. And I think, you know, whoever they throw out there with him, he's going to elevate those guys and make them better, whether it's the receiving core or the offensive line. So you can never count on Green Bay with number 12 on that side of the ball. Now, you can't count them out. But the last time I checked, Aaron Rodgers doesn't rush the passer, he doesn't defend the run, and he can't cover. So, well, that was until my next take. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the problem. the Packers are suspect. Well, I, I, they've been suspect for a while, but let me tell you something else that the Packers have got. They, they have a big transition at the beginning of the season as well because they basically gutted all the coach. They gutted the coaching staff, so... People don't understand a lot of times when you change uh, staff like that, there's a, um, a grace period where everybody's got to fill each other out and get to know each other and, and get earn each the other's trust. Curve. Definitely yeah. a learning curve. So now if you're Minnesota, Green Bay is working out some things. Detroit is their whole new organization. And then you got Chicago, which they, they keep putting on two right foot shoes you know they, they can't get it right um i think this new coach nagy is gonna be an upgrade the problem is i don't think mr Trubisky is the guy to get it done so the problem you have what there is Seattle? i just think that at some point you can't keep cheating fate you can't keep trying to go cheap and you know the thing that got you to where you were you've kind of gotten away from the competition uh, the open openness of the locker room and the expression that you allowed your players to have. I know the biggest problem is all those guys now are older and have put up stats and they want to get paid. And the reality is you can't pay everybody. So you got uh, you only got one guy left from the Legion of Boom and he wants to go back home to Dallas. Uh, you gave all the money on offense to Russell Wilson. He doesn't have any weapons. The one thing they did do that could be beneficial is they went and got him a left tackle. So at least now he can feel safe when he turns his back, you know, to the the tackle. Problem is, I don't know who he's throwing to. (laughs) And, you know, you know, they got Chris Carson and uh, Rashard Penny as the running backs. I don't know if they're anything special. I hate to say this because I love what, what, uh, Pete Carroll has done there, and it's always a UM guy on the staff or playing. But I see nine and seven, and they may miss the playoffs because it's just a lot of. And, and then you know their division's gotten better. Jimmy Garoppolo, well, I think he went undefeated as a starter, or he lost one game. The 49ers are going to be better. The Rams should win that division. That's if they can get their house in order. I mean. And who knows? To be honest with you, Arizona is a is, is 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 set to make a playoff run if they can keep Sam Bradford healthy and not have to play uh, Josh Rosen. I think they got a shot to make the playoffs. Um, that's a toss-up division. Now the now the NFC South that's a gauntlet. I just think uh, the guy that's the coach there, Dirk Cutter, 
I think um, Jameis Winston sealed his fate by getting suspended those first three games because by the time he comes back and gets into rhythm, it'll probably be mid midseason, say seventh, eighth week, seventh, eighth game. By that time, they'll be out of the playoffs, and the Glazers will probably be considering whether or not to fire him because I just I don't – while he would get in that situation, he everything he had moved forward, everything was behind him. He was a damn good quarterback. You know, they gave all their money to Mike Evans, you know, so he could have some tools and here we are right back at square one. Well I guess it's a lesson that when you go and you have drinks, whether it be at a bar or wherever you ha- whether or not you're driving is not the point. You have to have your faculties with you at all times. And one of the reasons why he had to give in to this suspension and not fight it is because he couldn't remember anything about that night. So it's hard to fight and say you didn't put your hands between the girl's leg if you can't remember. <laughs> he couldn't even remember who was in the car with him. So why not have a private driver with your own driving service, you know, in a situation like that? Why are you in an Uber anyway? Well, they were out of town. They were in, actually, they were in Arizona. A-Rod, it's probably your fault. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, realistically, when you're, when, you know, I think a guy like that, these, these, these new players don't really understand that they're more than just a ball player now. They're a, they're a business. They're a low-level, small. They're a small business, but it's they're a, a high brand. price. They're a brand. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say a brand because, you know, Jameis Winston is still a young quarterback. He is not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has a brand. Tom Brady has a brand. Correct. Big Ben has a brand. Hell, we call- a brand. You're correct. Yeah. Jameis Winston is a young up-and-coming quarterback, him and Mariota. But when you break it down, he is a multi-million dollar business. I mean, he's, you know, he's guaranteed to make $15, 20000000 million. Now, in retrospect, what he should have done is he should have, like you said, hired a driver and gotten an SUV where nobody's in the front seat but the driver. <laughs> so, but... And I'm pretty sure, like, what a lot of people don't know is is that all NFL teams have what they call a director of player development. And what that is is normally a former player who is the liaison between the team and the players. So his job is to cut, you know, cut stuff like this off at the pass. You know, he's got that job because he knows all the idiosyncrasies and the behind-the-scenes backstories of the players. So it's like, yeah, man, you got to be careful with Will. He like to go to them strip clubs. Well, if you know that, it's like, well, all right, Will, I know you're going to go to the strip club the night before the game. So I want my man, Big Big Joe, to go with you. He's going to be your personal security, and he's going to drive you. Now, a lot of players don't want that because they want to act foolish. But when you're a multi-million dollar business, you have to make smart business decisions and if you notice LeBron James has never had a scandal because he's made smart business decisions and he's got people around him who help him make smart business decisions so and he's same protected thing. his brand and he's, he's promoted himself as a brand yeah 
like uh, it, not just him, Dwayne Wade, same thing. Um, you know, and, and when you go to football, you, you look at a guy like um, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. These guys have never had a blemish. And because of that, they're they're able to make a lot of money outside of playing football. And, you know, Jameis is still learning. The culture at Florida State kind of added to his situation because, you know, I'm not saying it's because I'm a, I'm a cane and he's a Seminole because, I mean, I, I had a lot of friends that went to Florida State and I actually like going up to Tallahassee. But the problem is they were a little loose with the players. They let them get away with some things that in reality they shouldn't have let them get away with. And no matter how much he talks about being a changed person, sometimes you revert back to the behavior you know. And, you know, I'll give you the, it's funny because I remember one of my friends, guy you know, DJ Mike Evans' wedding, and I remember after the wedding he was telling me that Johnny Menzel was running around acting like a fool, and the whole wedding, Jameis Winston was sitting there at the, at the table with his girlfriend, fiance or whatever, drinking water. So, but then when he goes to Arizona, he's out with his homeboys. So it's a different mentality. And it cost him, and I hope he learns from it. But in the meantime, I think what he's done is he has cemented himself another coach. So I think this time next year, he will be playing with his third head coach in four years. So, and, 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 and you know, the Bucks are in the toughest division in football because Carolina, a lot of people think they're a, a, a sleeper pick to make the playoffs. I'm a little bit more... Any team that division make it all the way to the Super Bowl? Any team... From the NFC, NFC South has a capability to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. I agree. I agree. I think the problem with Carolina is, you know, Kelvin Benjamin could have been a little bit more coothful with the message. But the reality is what he's saying is true in some respects. Cam Newton is a physical marvel. 6'5", 270 pounds, 455 speed. Um... He is able to do some things at the quarterback position that have never been done before. One of the things that he's not real good at is accuracy, and that is something that is important when you're a quarterback. Now, he is such a talented guy that he makes plays and can carry the team despite being accurate. He has what I call that Tiger Woods factor. As is accuracy and consistency, and in my opinion, accuracy for NFL quarterback is Invaluable. It's probably the number one tool they need. Uh, Cam Newton, couple, two, three years removed from the Super Bowl. Can Carolina make it back? I kind of think he holds the key. I was saying that the uh, NFC South is the most competitive division, and, um, you know, Cam Newton definitely has to raise his game. If he raises his game, they got a shot because they got a great defense. Um, now the, the one division we skipped over before we wrap it up is the AFC North. We didn't talk about the Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals, which they're one player away from, you know, being a playoff contender or they may be, you know, two and fourteen. You never know with Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, you know, what they're gonna bring to the table. I gotta be honest with you. Other than Pittsburgh, well I'll say this. Okay, 
the Cleveland Browns are an interesting story because me personally, I think they had a great draft. I just don't think they should have picked Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker Mayfield has been playing decent in preseason, but I think Tyrod Taylor is going to be the quarterback, and I think they'll win five to six games. Problem is, if they're going to try and make Baker Mayfield the quarterback this year, and I've been trying to figure out a way to see a difference between him and Jenny Manziel, and I don't see it. So I think that there's a ceiling on how good he can be, but the one thing that they've done is they've surrounded him with enough talent that it actually could work. They could be a decent team. Cincinnati, I just think they're an 8-8 eight eight ball club. I mean, and the thing about Cincinnati is the way the organization is set up, if Marvin Lewis can just go 9-7 and seven, and let's just say he doesn't make the playoffs, they'll, he'll keep his job because the Bengals are run like a, 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 they don't run it like a football team. They run it like a business. It's about making a profit. And if they have a winning record and nobody gets in trouble, Marvin Lewis keeps his job. The Ravens, it's all on Joe Flacco. If he plays decent and his receivers show up, I think they might go 9-7. and seven. I just don't think anybody in that division other than Steelers is going to make the playoffs. So, you know, wrap it up right quick. I got, now this is going to probably shock a couple people. I've got the Steelers and the Jaguars playing in the AFC championship game. Wow. And I've got the Jaguars going to the Super Bowl. Wow. Now, in the NFC, I'm going to go Vikings and Eagles once again. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that the Vikings are going to beat the Eagles in a close NFC championship game because I think, and there's a caveat to that, if Dalvin Cook is back 100% and he stays healthy the whole year, I think Minnesota can win the whole thing. Interesting take. In the AFC, I've got the New England Patriots coming back to the Super Bowl, losing to the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, the Falcons. Well, I want to thank you for being uh, my co-host today. You did a good job. Hey, I you appreciate got a it. Yeah, you got a social media handle that you want the people out there to check you out on? Not at the moment, but it's currently under construction. The next time I'm on the show, I'll be more than happy to give it out. Okay. All right. I mean, I know you're probably under some kind of federal witness protection or something because, you know, you, <laughs> you, te you Texas peoples are always in some kind of scandal. But, <laughs> hey... I want to thank the, 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 the people who listened in today. It was a good show. Um, there'll be more preseason action next week. Uh, i got to be honest with you. I purposely stayed away from the Maryland and the Ohio State stuff because we hear too much of that all, all week. I wanted to talk more about just sports. You know, I stayed away from the national anthem thing because, you know, we've been getting bogged down with a lot of the outside sports stuff. So today I just want to talk raw football. Now next week 
We're going to talk college football and my, my co-host, Will Huggins. Until next time, uh, as I usually sign off, it's all about the U. Canes for life. Enough said. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week. 